The Axe of the Blood God. <laughs> Welcome to another episode of Axe of the Blood God, US Gamer's official RPG podcast. I'm your host, Kat Bailey, and with me today is Nadia Oxford. Hello. And as always, we talk about RPGs big and small, Western and Eastern, and we break them down because we love this genre. It's the best genre. Role-playing games. I agree. Totally the best. 100% A+. And this week, we will be talking about Dragon Quest Builders, which uh, is getting reviewed over on the site by our fearless leader, we will be talking about the update to Stardew Valley. We'll be talking about SteamWorld Heist, which I freaking loved, and Nadia is playing right now. And we'll be talking about Yokai Watch, which Bob recently reviewed. Uh, he has some thoughts on that, and uh, maybe just just a smidge, just a smidge of VR talk. Don't worry, don't worry, <laughs> we won't get too much into it. I know. Yeah. All right, but let's go to immediately to our first topic, which is Dragon Quest Builders. Nadia, you've been playing the demo, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, I actually finished the demo. It's not a very long demo. Um, have you played it at all, Kat? I have not. I've been kind of waiting for the VR, the Vita code to be coming in. Oh, yeah. Um, it's, I don't know if the demo is even available on Vita yet. I think it is. But uh, either way, I, I played it. I enjoyed it very much. Um, it has a few little issues that uh, Parrish has already addressed in his review, which uh, is up on the site. Um, for one thing, if you're expecting something quite as, like, loose as Minecraft in terms of building. Dragon Quest Builders is not quite it. It's a very structured kind of building game, which is okay for many people who are looking forward to the game because that's precisely what we want. We want structure, we want rules. But this isn't like the kind of game where you can like jump five times your height, you know what I mean? Like you can most of the structures you build are like two blocks high. I'm sure you can go higher, but I haven't done that <laughs> in the demo. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, you, you've played Minecraft, and you've paid attention to the world. Yes. A lot of Minecraft's popularity stems, A, from its accessibility, but also, B, from its fan mods. Mm-hmm. Am I correct? Yes, that's true. I mean, like, so much of Minecraft is like, you're out in the world, you get to build these these things. It's like Legos. Like, it, it's the original Lego video game, essentially. And Yeah. And, and the freedom that it gives people to do crazy, stupid things is, like, really exciting, right? Yeah. But if you take that out of Dragon Quest Builders, I mean, isn't that a problem? Well, I don't know. You have, uh, see, the thing about Minecraft is even though I like it, I've never been good at it. I'm the kind of person who who is really proud of herself because she built a house that has windows in it, uh, whereas people, of course, build these crazy st- structures. But if you look at, like, Japanese uh, screenshots of people who have been playing the game for a while now over there, um, you see some really beautiful structures. Um, nothing quite as wild as Minecraft. Like I, I have yet to see, you know, massive dragons sprawling out across the land the way I see with Minecraft. But of course, I haven't looked too hard. <laughs> uh, I've seen several uh, phallic images, of course, but uh, those are kind of of course those are a gimme. So uh, <laughs> shock and surprise. Yeah. <laughs> but the the meat of Dragon Quest Builder seems to be more about rebuilding rather than building like out of scratch um you you start in cantlin which is a town from the original dragon quest and anyone who's a dragon quest fan knows cantlin was a very sort of almost like a modern looking town as far as dragon quest goes it was like they were it was all brick there were walls there it was guarded by a golem uh so your first task really is to kind of restore the town to that glory and um so you have a pretty big 
building project in front of you, but you don't have as much freedom to go completely wild. So, uh, so tell me a little bit about like building up the town. Like, is it is it fun? Is it um, kind of repetitive? I, I found it very uh, rewarding uh, because even though you do have this guideline that you should adhere to, um, like for example, uh, one of your first tasks is build a room for this uh, girl who's kind of wandered in and saying hi to you. Uh, you can make that structure however you want it to look like. It just had to adhere to a certain amount of rules, which is number one, it had to have a door. Number two, a room had to be two wall, two bricks high, basically. And number three, I think it had to have a light source. Um, but if you make, if you have all those prerequisites, the shell itself can look however you want. Although early in the game, you don't have a lot of tools to build with. You only have, you basically have dirt. <laughs> that is your building material, <laughs> dirt and straw. So um, it's a dragon. Sorry? So yeah, go ahead. Uh, so I'm I'm looking forward to the point in the game where I can kind of tear down my old houses and, and all embarrassed and build up like nice shiny new ones. So as a longtime Dragon Quest fan, which we've definitely established on this podcast, yes. um, how, how do you think it fits in with the universe? I think it's a very interesting uh, take on the original Dragon Quest story because, um, of course, it, it's kind of an alternate timeline where the hero, Erdrich, uh, or whatever you want to call him, or the descendant of Erdrich, rather, um, he said yes to the Dragon Lord's offer of, do you want to rule the world with me? And the guy was like, okay. Uh, so basically now you have <laughs> a world of darkness, which is, you know, devoid of hope and anything like companionship. So, uh, Good job, Erdrich. Yeah. <laughs> Number one. Good job. Wrong answer. <laughs> yeah, especially since the Dragon Lord crashes your game if you say yes. But um, yeah, so now instead of... The, the game makes it a point to say you are not a hero. You don't build yourself up through fighting and demolishing monsters. You build yourself up through building and creating. So I guess the god figure in this game, who happens to be Rubus, uh, she said, okay, well, I screwed up the first time, I guess. <laughs> Next time I'll try the power of creation rather than destruction. So that's where we are. Oh, well, okay then. Yeah. That's... How about the RPG elements? Um, You don't get, as I said, you don't strengthen yourself by fighting. You don't gain experience that way. Um, rather, the things you build are what make you stronger. For example, armor, weapons... Uh, it's very, it is very much like Minecraft in that regard. Although I think Minecraft, you, you do level up a bit, but um, basically to get your um, your max hit points up, you have to find seeds of life in in chests. Um, you do have to beat up monsters. Not only some of them try to attack your town, uh, some of them just get in your way. Some guard chests that you want. Uh, that's just the demo too. Who knows what's beyond? Well, okay. Um, I, I'm I'm fairly interested. Uh, I've never been a big fan of these kinds of building games. Mm -hmm. um, too much freedom. I hate it. Yeah, exactly. This is definitely more a little more reined in, and I am okay with that. I can see a kid who's really obsessed with Minecraft. I can see them being like, oh, I don't like the fact that I'm restricted to all these rules. Um, I'm going to go back to Minecraft. But for sure. people like you and me who like to have a little structure in their building games, it's it's a very nice balance, and I enjoy it very much. Do you plan on playing it on the Vita or the PlayStation 4? <laughs> Probably the PlayStation 4 at first, because that's where it's coming out. Like, that's what I have for now. I don't have my Vita yet. So. Yeah, I'm a little wary of playing it on the Vita, because... So Darkest Dungeon came out on the Vita not too long ago. Uh -huh. I 
This is totally a sidetrack, but whatever. Uh, it's RPG related. Yeah, I downloaded Darkest Dungeon onto my Vita because I'm like, oh man, maybe I can like start a new run and like have a good time and everything. And holy crap, that series is not made for the Vita. Oh, is it too dark? The text is way too small. The UI is like a really clumsy uh, refashioning of the PC Mm -hmm. uh, point and click interface. That's too bad. (laughs) And I'm like, wow, this is really awkward. Like, I can't play this. And and that was that. So Yeah, just um, kids today, of course, they play Minecraft on mobile without a problem. But uh, I'm... I'm old. I have vision problems. Uh, I'd rather give it a try on the PS4 first, especially since 3D games. I tend to be kind of sensitive to those in terms of headaches and, and nausea. So, Darkest I think Dungeon would be so good on tablet. I need to play that game. It, it looks so good. It's good. Um, and we talked about it a lot on the podcast earlier this year. Mm-hmm. Um, I think my problem with it is that after the first string of dungeons like there's a point in the game where you really run out of gas right because you kind of hit a wall where you have to grind and grind and grind Mm -hmm. um and you can get you can build up a really good party but you are always like one step from disaster yeah and if that party gets wiped like you can lose so much progress like there's a great video of um somebody like they were they were just kind of showing off on their stream with like their super high level party fighting um i I think it's called like the shambler or something like that it's basically like this cthulhu-esque like backdrop of stars the kind of thing um Mm -hmm. i think it shows up when it's dark out right or when it's dark and uh things went wrong and the whole party got wiped and by the end like (laughs) you could just see him staring at the screen like because uh, uh, he oh, no. that was a top level party that was hours and hours and hours like that was an end game party that he lost oh no and I, I assume this is a permadeath sort of thing yeah uh they die and it saves like there's oh. no going back <laughs> yeah that sort of thing w- would make me very sad so maybe i'll put it on my maybe list for now and not only that, like, you really have to, you can't just wing it because mm-hmm. you have to go in there and you have to have, um, you have to have a really firm understanding of the the positive quirks versus the negative quirks because the negative quirks can have a real bad impact mm-hmm. on your party. You need to know, like, what quirks to lock in. Um, you need to know how to spend your money um, and what gear to equip and what abilities you should be looking for and what the good party compositions are and what party compositions are good for what dungeons. Wow. And all of this stuff is really engaging, but also extremely dense. Yeah. And it's a terrible fit for the Vita screen. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it would be. That sounds like a whole lot of micromanagement. Yeah, I cannot micromanage that much with that tiny of a freaking screen. Uh, it might be okay on the PS4. I've not tried it on the PS4, but my point is, I hope Dragon Quest Builder is a little better than that. Yeah, um, I don't think you have to worry quite as much about um, menus and whatnot. Uh, of course, you have your typical Minecraft-style inventory, but um, this is pretty easy to see. <laughs> now I just want Dragon. Now I want Darkest Dungeon on a tablet. Oh my god, that would be so good. 
Uh, I thought you were saying it was on a tablet. I guess it's not. No, it's not on a tablet. Oh. Um, it's like FTL. Like FTL is the perfect tablet game. Mm-hmm. Because like it's the kind of game that can break out on a plane. Um, it it has a like finite amount of time. Um, and Darkest Dungeon is kind of the same way. Like you're on a plane, it's like oh, I'll make a dungeon run now, yeah. right? As opposed to like sitting down in front of your computer and being like, all right, I am now going to play some Darkest Dungeon. That's what I kind of <laughs> wanted on my. That's what I kind of wanted on my Vita version. But yeah, I was disappointed. You got a lot of squinting <sighs> instead. And now I've just talked myself out of playing the Vita version of Dragon Quest Builders. Um, but maybe I'll play the drag- uh, the PS4 version. Maybe maybe that's a game that I want to play on the PS4. You should at least download the demo and give it a try. Indeed. But I digress. So Dragon Quest Builders, uh, I'm not entirely sure what the release date is. Have you, have you been following the release date on this one? Uh, shoot, I think like October soon. <laughs> October soon, yes. October along tomorrow. with all of the other October soon games. <laughs> Oh, gracious. Um, yeah. A friend of mine actually imported it. I'm yeah, sure. he was so excited about it. Yeah, it I'm It feels sure. like one of those games that's going to be, like, really good, and Jeremy's going to name his game of the year. Mm-hmm. Um, just because, oh, it's out on October 11th. Oh, October 11th. So, okay, so that's... Very soon. Good, uh, good, good. So we will play it and talk about it in next week's episode. Yes, we will. Guaranteed. Talk about it some more, I should say. Alright, so moving on from Dragon Quest Builders, we'll have plenty of time to talk about that next week. Uh, Nadia, yes, Stardew Valley, how many people have you gay married at this point? <laughs> you can only gay marry one person. You can only straight marry Aww. one person, too. Uh, the new update, yeah, 1.1, uh, it has two new marriage prospects, Shane and uh, I think Emily for the girl, who I, I was never a big fan of Emily, but I'm a big fan of Shane. What? You don't like yeah. Emily? <laughs> how can the- you not like Emily? She's so cute. There's other. There's too many cute people. They're all too cute. But so she's kind of on the list of of bo- on the bottom of the list of cute suitors, <sighs> at least in my opinion. My wow. very learned opinion. We clearly have very ta- different taste in women. I think we do, um, especially since I keep romancing the men. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, stop that. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, there's you can marry two new characters, and uh, there's a whole bunch of new stuff like a uh, new artisan items new buildings you can move your buildings around now uh which is like take that reality Um, whoa that's that's nice that's pretty nice you can also if you do want to marry someone new you can divorce your spouse which is as you can imagine that's kind of a hard decision because they're not going to leave town you're going to (laughs) see you're going to see them and are they going to be like are they super uh like upset with you if you do that they're kind of frosty like there's the one screenshot that i saw that maybe decide i'll never divorce anyone in the game is uh penny you see her and it's in the screenshot she's just saying please leave me alone so i was like no no no, poor penny my heart there it goes um but yeah it's a little like um in persona persona 4 uh, if you so you can you can romance multiple girls at the same time. <clears throat> Just be aware that there are consequences to your actions. <laughs> yeah, I could I could see that being the case. 
People usually anyway. don't like being a side chick or a side dude. Are you still playing? Um, are you still playing Stardew Valley? It sounds like you are. Um, I really wanted to start playing it again to get all the update stuff because I, I stopped for a while because I pretty much did everything in the game. Um, but unfortunately, I have no idea where the heck I put my PC controller. <laughs> mm. And I tried, like you know, hacking my PS4 controller to work instead. It didn't. Um, I got to call my parents. I think they have it at their house. A PS4 controller will totally work. You just have to get the um. You just have to get the right drivers. Yeah, that's what I was doing. But uh, like, I tried doing that and it didn't work. I was like, oh, I'm gonna go play SteamWorld Heist instead. <laughs> mm. Yeah, before we get to SteamWorld Heist, um, you know, I really liked Stardew Valley, and we've talked about this on the podcast before. Uh huh. Um, I think it's one of those games where you have to like really be engaged with the world. Yes, absolutely. Like, it's one of those games where it's like, so at the very beginning of Stardew Valley. Like, and it's very meaningful that it does this. Like, you're working in a cubicle job. You're, like, very bored and depressed. And, and there's then a, there's a skeleton in the cubicle beside you, which gives you an impression yes. of what kind of place this is. And you, and you flee to the countryside. Like, that, that very American dream, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, leaving the city, going to the country, living out in the wild, starting a farm, whatever. Um, taking it easy. And I think that really resonates with a lot of people. Yeah. Um, and in that regard, Stardew Valley becomes kind of this world that you want to escape to and you want to sit around and farm crops and go to events and like romance people and that sort of and mine. Um, for those people, I think Stardew Valley is like freaking magic. Yeah, absolutely. And for people who are like, but I think also a lot of people think, well, there's a lot of menial tasks in this game. Yeah, there is. It's a repetitious game. Yeah, and for those people, maybe Stardew Valley isn't as intense, enticing, right? Yeah. Um, actually, one of the things you can do with the update is um, it lets you start with a new, um, a new type of farm, depending on what kind of farming you want to do. So mm-hmm. you have farm plots that are like, for example, filled with rivers if you're more of a fisher, which I was really big into the fishing game, uh, even though a lot of people hated it. I loved it. Um, there's like... A- it wasn't that bad. No, I I really enjoyed it. it. It takes some getting used to, but once you do, it's a good way to make money. There's also mm-hmm. a... Um, I, I, what's really fascinating is there's a farm where you can get uh, monsters to attack you at night if that's your bag. Mm-hmm. So you kind of have to go out there and protect your stuff. Um, there's also like, just like farms more developed for like ranching or crop growing. And and that's pretty cool because even though I'm not going to give up my farm now and I obviously can't, you know, just change it in the middle of the game anyway. Um, I've always been more of a rancher than a grower in the Harvest Moon games as well as Stardew, Stardew Valley. So that sort of choice really appeals to me. Well, Stardew Valley, if you missed it the first time on PC, it's coming to console. Yeah, I'm really excited about that too. PlayStation 4, Xbox One, and Wii U. So, um, I, I, do you do you play with mods at all on the uh, the PC version? No, I don't. No? No, I haven't really found one that appeals to me. Um, I know there's mods where you can, like... There's a mod where you can restore Sebastian's bong. <laughs> That's one to consider. Uh, but otherwise, I haven't really found any mods that I've said, oh my god, I have to, I have to get this. Some games are more mod dependent than others. Yeah, um, like XCOM Two, for example, Skyrim, which came out on console last week, um, and I did a, a big write up about that. And 
you know, I love XCOM 2, and I, I think that it has some really good um, added content. Mm-hmm. But I think it's ruined a bit by its final mission. Which like, makes too, me less inclined to replay it. Too tedious, too long. The final mission um, is... Well, there are two final missions. One which is like pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. And one which is just like a total letdown in terms of... It, it's almost like a fan mod made mission. Mm-hmm. Where you're just finding waves of enemies... And it, it was stupid because, like, I ended up setting up in a very in a particular place, like outside, kind of the the final chamber. Right. And the enemy, the monsters, just kept coming and kept coming and kept coming. Right. Mm-hmm. And every time it would flash over to them, you would see them just like in this big nest of monsters, like tons and tons and tons of monsters. Oh, geez. And it, it looks stupid, to be perfectly <laughs> honest. It looked really artificial in a way that the rest of the game just had not. Like, right. It felt very rushed. It, it was so dumb. Like, I was actually taking control of monsters or the aliens with my um with my psychic mm-hmm. and, like, doing giant area of effect attacks on this giant pit of monsters and up to that point, my computer had run XCOM 2 fine, and yeah. it was actually, like, suffering massive slowdown. <laughs> well, for your computer to do that, that has to be pretty bad, because you, yeah. uh, you have a pretty intense gaming rig, as I understand. Well, it wasn't massive slowdown, but it was definitely, like, slowdown. Yeah. And I imagine that it would have been slideshow <laughs> on, uh, on other computers. And With old the worst music. part was, you there were these... Um, the the final boss, quote unquote, is like four super enemies that you fought pre- earlier in the game. Mm-hmm. And oh my god, it's just like they beating them essentially is like a crapshoot mm-hmm. because there's a very good chance that they will beam behind your party where you're all in cover and completely f it up. Oh, and dear. then it's like, oh well, I guess I'm going to reload now. <laughs> it's it's the worst and i am at there has to be mods out there for xcom 2 that makes um that adds a lot of stuff uh xcom 1 xcom enemy unknown i mean had a really fantastic mod called i think called like the long war or something to that effect Mm -hmm. added a lot of really good stuff so that was another digression uh but xcom 2 I mean, it's basically a western strategy rpg yeah basically um i haven't played it it's not really my thing, but uh has a pretty big fan base. Hmm. Did you like Fire Emblem? Uh, yeah. Oh, well, you should give it a shot then. Yeah, I should. But it's like a you, kind of like here's my five minute pitch sci-fi. for you, Nadia. What's that? Here's my like one minute pitch for you. Oh, okay. XCOM two lets you create your own characters and lets you like dress dress them up any way you want. And you can name them and give them bios and everything. Mm-hmm. And when they die horribly, you will have all of the feels for your creative characters. <laughs> oh, no. Captain Underpants. How could you die? I, I think I told you that the character that I created for myself, who looked a little like a female Egon. <laughs> and, uh, I'm not going to lie. Um, yeah, she died. Oh, dear. Uh, I, I forget how she died, but then she got resurrected. Oh, boy. And chased my last party member all the way to the extraction point. <laughs> so there's a zombified version of me in my game somewhere. Wow. 
Yeah, so, yeah, that happened to me. <laughs> so, if you decide to put yourself in the game, you get wonderful stories like that. That is crazy. That's a really good game, I though. I strongly that. recommend it. It's on console now. You can play it on the PS4. Yeah, I heard. Especially, I, I say, having, like, just totally sold you on it with, like, this terrible final mission. <laughs> Well, right. I'm very open-minded when it comes to final missions and stuff. Oh, good. If a, if a game can carry itself until that point, I I can practice forgiveness. Next year, we're totally going to start a what RPG is Nadia playing now segment, where basically I just assign you homework, and I'm just like, all right, Nadia, you're going to play this RPG, and you're going to report back each week. That would be a lot of fun, actually. I think it would be a lot of fun, so... All right, last item. Speaking of RPGs that you've been assigned to play, mm-hmm. um, or... Or apparently you're just playing on your own. Uh, SteamWorld Heist, which, yes. um, yeah, I, I want to hear your thoughts. What do you think? Oh, I've actually finished the 3DS one. Uh, but oh, I, you did? Yeah, I loved it. But I, I never got to do the DLC, so that's what I want to do this time around. Oh, God, I never did the DLC either. Uh, oh, my God, I, I forgot about the DLC. I'm flying to LA tomorrow. Maybe I will bring it with me and play the DLC. Yeah, you should. Um, oh my god, thank you for reminding me of that. Oh, you're very welcome. Uh, but basically, the reason I'm doing the HD remake is, uh, number one, it, it just looks gorgeous. and Oh, uh, so much prettier. Yeah, and just being able Though to... Though the 3DS version looked good, too. Yeah, it did. It, they, the Image Informs games always look fantastic. Yeah, so I just kind of wanted to re-experience the game in HD, and um, especially since I played uh, SteamWorld Dig on the 3DS, and then I advanced to the um, the Wii U version, and I realized, oh, wow, it looks really, really nice in HD. And it was kind of like playing it all over again, so I figured it would be the same with SteamWorld Heist, and so far it is. If you haven't played SteamWorld Heist, uh, it's basically like XCOM, but 2D. Yeah, um, I definitely... Um, but without created characters. That's true. But the, the characters are perfect, so you don't need to create Right, so, well, no, absolutely. The characters have so much personality, and essentially, uh, it, it's a randomly generated maps, if I recall correctly. But it does a really fen- phenomenal job of making the maps feel not generic. Yes, and I think the thing that really stood out to me about this game is that every time you think, "Oh, this game's going to get really repetitive," now it introduces some interesting new wrinkle. Mm-hmm. That you go, oh, that was awesome. Whether it's like a boss or like a new enemy type or a particular mission or like a, a new character who's now can be part of your party or a new weapon. Like there are a lot of weapons to play in the to use in this game. Um, the the tactics are just spot on in terms of uh, it goes with the AP system where kind of like Valkyrie Valkyria Chronicles where when it's your turn you walk a little bit you have a certain number of you have an action bar you can walk forward mm-hmm. to a certain point and then shoot right um and the really interesting thing that they do uh, which i actually like better than xcom which if there's one thing that drives me crazy about xcom is that you can have like a 90 percent chance to hit but that 10 percent chance will get you every time <laughs> Um, so you'll be like literally point blank and somehow miss and you'll be like, God damn it. Especially on Iron Man mode. But, uh, SteamWorld Heist is great because it's like, you actually aim. Yes. And it can like let you, it, it sounds awkward, but it can end up 
uh, you can do a lot of really neat trick shots, I suppose you could say. Yeah, uh, because uh, the really neat thing about uh, Steamworld Heist is that uh, each character specializes in a type of weapon. So, example, for example, the Captain uh, Piper, uh, she specializes in um, long-distance weapons. So she has a scope, and you can see your line of fire. Whereas, for example, uh, there's other characters who ha- use short-range handguns that kind of fire a scatter of bullets, which are very powerful, but you can't see where they're going to go. So you're basically aiming blind, almost. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and when you're aiming blind, it can be kind of tough, but I actually got really good at that after a while. But I always stuck to the, the sniper scopes. Oh, yeah, for sure. Because I love the trick or shots. Or when, when possible. Yeah. yeah I, forget, I forget what exact we- what weapons exactly I used, but... I. I know I definitely had a rocket launcher of some sort. <laughs> yeah, that's because it was thing. very powerful and could take out a huge number of enemies like right at once. Yeah, like the most powerful weapons, um, I'm always kind of scared to use because a lot of them had friendly fire. And I'm, yeah, and I'm a clutch. you can totally wreck your party by mistake. Yeah, yeah. No I- permadeath though, which no. is nice. No, so nobody's gonna get resurrected and come chasing after you. <laughs> Why did you leave um, me? If they die, I think they just don't get any XP. Yeah, if they die, uh, depending on what difficulty level you're playing on, you do suffer some uh, loot penalties, but that's about it. There's no permadeath, as you say. Yeah, so, uh, and and it's great. It's like Firefly with robots. It pretty much is, and um, I am not a huge fan of either space or steampunk, and this has both, and I just love the world and the characters. They just work so well together. Oh my gosh, I... Oh, I so I gave this game a perfect score in my review. Yeah, it deserves um, it. It totally deserves it. It holds up extremely well a year later. Uh, and like I said, like I think uh it, it never gets boring. Mm-hmm. Like it 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 is kind of a masterclass in how to take the systems that you and the strategy that foundation that you introduce at the beginning of the game and continue to build on it throughout. Yes. Um, in a way that's like, okay, well, here's a new weapon, or here's a new enemy type to deal with, or, and, and, and in that regard, like, it just keeps layering on this stuff, and it has a good story, too. It like, has a great story. It, it just works. Yeah, and I'll be honest, I was a little disappointed at first that uh, SteamWorld Dig, that that story wasn't being concluded, because it, it ended on a cliffhanger, and then this mm-hmm. whole new game comes out that's, like, completely, literally off the world. Which just exploded. <laughs> so I, well, it's I was set in the far future or whatever. Yeah, and I was kind of angry, like, "Hey, I want to know what happened to Rusty. What's going on here?" And so I thought I wouldn't really like Steamworld Heist, but then I, I fell in love with it. Wonderful, wonderful game. It so, really is. Uh, Image and if, Form. They they have a very sort of sporadic release schedule, but they just put their best into everything they do. Yeah, uh, it's gorgeous. Great soundtrack. Um, Oh yeah, great soundtrack as, too. Uh, Steam powered giraffe in there as as themselves. You know, Nadia. You know, I, I play games for work, so as you I. know. Yes. And um, and, you know, most of the time I'm like, I enjoy these games, and I I will play certain games for fun. Mm-hmm. Um, like I have my comfort games that mm-hmm. I just go back to all the time. Right now it's Hearthstone. Right. Um, but it's always a real treat to be reviewing a game and also be completely hooked on it to the point where I like I just can't set it down and that was very much the case with SteamWorld Heist for me 
Yes, I didn't re- or did I, I reviewed the game for another publication I was writing for at the time, and I completely agree. It's always just really nice to be just blindsided by a surprise because even though you know people think, oh, your your jobs are so easy, all you do is play video games all day. That's not quite it. Um, you wind up playing a lot of games that you're lukewarm on, or you just outright don't like at all. So just to have that sort of that that experience where you, you play something that you really truly love and you weren't expecting to fall in love with it, it's just like a really unique pleasure. Yeah, no, that's uh, that's what keeps me coming back. To be honest, you mm-hmm. know those those Dark Souls moments mm-hmm. where you go you go in with no expectations and suddenly go. This is actually a really, really good game, and I think I really love this. And now I can advocate for it. Yes, yes. <laughs> everybody. I wins. love it when that happens. And I, I went in expecting to like SteamWorld Heist, but it exceeded my expectations. It, yeah, it was and uh, that's saying a lot because you're a real, you're a real strategy fan. I am a strategy fan. Uh, yeah, um, I think it's more to the point. Like, I think it would have just been so easy for them to fall into the trap of recycling content, but. Mm-hmm with more yeah more enemies you know whatever longer levels and they didn't do that no right so and like i've i am getting repetitive now at this point that's why <laughs> it was like okay it's it it stayed interesting throughout now i really want to play the dlc because i i i got the note and i think i even got a code for the dlc but i was like i will do this later and then i totally forgot yeah so. and then that's what happened to me unfortunately i was just like oh i gotta play this now Oop, i totally forgot and that's uh, totally on me and not on image and form because i'm sure it's great all right anyway um steam world heist it's like on everything now um uh, pretty you can much. get it on vita you can get it on 3ds ps4 steam uh, so yeah, I, I strongly recommend it. Please, please go and give these good people money, mm-hmm. so that can they can continue to make these awesome games. I agree. We're back, and now we have another guest on our podcast. That is Bob Mackey. Hey, everybody. It's me. Hello, it Bob. is Bob. <laughs> Bob, yep. who was sequestered in his apartment over the past weekend playing PlayStation VR. Uh, are, are you back in the land of the real world, like, or are you still in lawnmower man world? I have not become uh, Job. <laughs> I did not make all the phones ring at once yet. <laughs> I I have never seen the Lawnmower Man movie. I've just read the short story by Stephen King, so the whole VR oh. element just blows my mind. I don't understand. They have what nothing it's about. to do with each other. In okay. fact, they have so little to do with each other that Stephen King sued uh, the filmmakers. I think, <laughs> <laughs> which didn't stop them from making Lawnmower Man Two: Job's War. Yes, I know all of these things, and I hate myself. <laughs> uh, I'll admit the best thing about uh, this whole VR coverage thing was mostly getting Bob's frustrated texts and he was like, "Oh my God, so many wires, so many yeah. wires." There, there are. I mean, I'll go. I'll go into this one from us to you, or perhaps I already did, but um, just <laughs> the sheer patchwork of technologies you need to like stitch together. It's pretty. It's pretty nuts. Yeah, you should go check out the VR conversation on from us to you. Um, but first, we're going to talk about Yokai Watch, which was a game that you reviewed, I think, last week. Uh, it's yeah, a sequel, I think it was last of course. Wednesday. 
Oh, what are what are the uh, the two versions? Fleshy souls and bony, bony spirits. Uh, it's either bony spirits or fleshy souls, or bony souls and fleshy spirits. I forget what what, what they are, <laughs> but it's uh, from what I remember, uh, the first yokai watch in Japan had two versions, which they combined into one. And they decided to release both versions of the second game here this time, which feels a little uh, misguided to me, considering the fact that the games only differ, I think, in terms of um, exclusive yokai, which are the monsters you collect. Yeah. Oh, they do it with Pokemon. Yeah, but Pokemon is, like, popular. <laughs> they can yeah. get away with it. <laughs> yokai well, Watch is popular uh, when it came not... out. What's that? Yeah, I guess it was a big experiment, but I feel like... Um, this could be jumping ahead of myself, but I feel like we, we don't need two yokai watches yet. At this yeah, point in time. Uh, I agree because I went to a, a Yokai Watch 2 event that Nintendo was holding in Toronto, and there were actually a fair amount of kids there. It was a lot of fun, but uh, it is not the Pokemon crowd pleaser that uh, I think Nintendo wants it to be. Why not? Why? Why is it? What is it about Pokemon, for God's sake? <laughs> this is going to sound weird because Pokemon is extremely Japanese, but um, ultimately, I feel like Yokai Watch is too Japanese for that mass market. Um, Hmm. that mass market audience yeah. they want and, they, and they're really aware of that which is why it's so intensely localized to make it as little as little japanese uh, culturally as possible which is why it takes yeah. place in springdale and you are running around a, a japanese as fuck town but yeah. everyone's like nope this is not japan i'm certainly not at a shrine <laughs> yeah uh, and springdale. Kind of is there a is there a hell mouth in this town yeah it could be well, that's God where knows. all the yokai come from Oh, well, they definitely tried to sense. make like yokai less of a, a cultural ghost thing and more of a mischief maker sort of thing. Well, yeah, that makes sense uh, because I, I remember you wrote the article before even the the first yokai watch came out, and you were like, "Yokai are is a very Japanese thing, uh, unlike the monsters in Pokemon." So, how yeah. is yeah. yokai watch going to translate? Here's the thing, like, I feel like this is not a concern as much as it was in the 80s and early 90s, but I think they're trying to get in front of the whole, like, Japanese uh, mythology issue. They were afraid of maybe fundamentalists from different religions, you know, claiming this is like a Satan-worshipping game, as they have with Pokemon and many other things. Yes. Uh, but because in, in their explanation, Nintendo of America, whoever wrote the copy, they're like, what are yokai? They're yokai! They're fun, crazy spirits, blah, blah, blah. Don't forget about, you know, the ties to, you know, animism and things like that. Um, which is fine. I mean, yokai has a very, very broad definition. It could be anything from like Frankenstein to like, um, you know, those, those like hopping umbrella ghosts you see in a lot of Japanese like um, ghost stories and things like that. It has a very broad connotation, but it really is tied into like animistic beliefs in, in Japanese religion and things like that. Yeah, like Shintoism. All right. What do you do? You like Yokai Watch too? Uh, your review of it was kind of a uh, meh. You were, you seemed yeah. a lot more um, negative on it than you were in the first game. Yes, uh, I I want to love level five, and I I do like the latent games, and I have like some of their work, but I feel like their RPGs that aren't Dragon Quest have this unnecessary amount of tedium baked into them that I just don't understand. It should be obvious for me, like, design level, like, this takes too long, this is unnecessary, this is too convoluted. Um, but th these issues keep popping up in their RPGs. And I will say that they made um, Yokai Watch 2 a little more refined than the first one. The map actually works. You don't have to jump through, like, nine menus to find out where you are in the world. It's all there on your screen. You can see a bigger view of the world just touching a button. It's great. I mean, get, just getting lost in a very samey-looking town was one of my bigger issues with Yokai Watch 1. But um, ultimately... 
the fundamental uh, act you're doing in the game, which is capturing the yokai, it takes four ever to do and i and i wrote about an example of this in my review where it's like one of the initial quests is just like we're going to teach the player how to capture yokai so to capture yokai you need to figure out what food they like um out of like over a dozen food items feed it to them in battle and then pray to god that they will join you after the battle is over um i it felt like it was like a joke on me like the game was bugged or something but um i think it took me nine tries fighting the same yokai over and over feeding it the same food over and over wasting eight items before it would join me and this is like in the very first part of the game um if you want to capture all of these creatures you're going to just have a like a like a stroke i think because it's just (laughs) it's so tedious and it makes me upset because like this is a game for kids and Mm -hmm. you should really be streamlining a lot of this like I feel like uh, Pokemon, it's a very simple process. You throw the ball, it shakes a little, you either capture it or you don't. With Yokai Watch, there's a lot of ambiguity, there's a lot more variables at play. And uh, ultimately, like, it's just too much work uh, to, you know, build a collection of these admittedly great-looking monsters that are just really, really fun to watch in battle. And just, like, they're, they're a lot grosser and a lot more out there than Pokemon designs, which I like, but... um. There's just that tedium is just you fight against it throughout the entire game. and It just makes it a very unfun experience. That's too bad. <clears throat> That's too bad. Uh, but you said it wasn't all that different from the first game either. Yes. In fact, uh, like the first major chunk of the game, you're running through all of the same stuff you did in the first game in the same places with the like the thin conceit like, oh, you have amnesia or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, it's very, very cheaply done. In fact, in my review, which I've referenced a few times, please read it on usgamer.net. Um, I had the same feeling I haven't had since I played Mega Man Battle Network 2, where I popped the game in and started playing it and was like, wait a minute, is this... Am I playing the first game? Did they screw up? Is this like a different ROM or something? But no, you're just like in the same place doing the same things and it takes forever for you to like break out of that. And I feel like this sequel might have been rushed. Uh, just to capitalize on how how much this series was taking off in 2013 and 2014 in Japan. And it's not really taking off anymore in Japan. Uh, the consensus that I was when I was over there was Yokai Watch was just more level five, uh, a fad that wasn't going to have a much long much of a long lasting impact. Uh, where Pokemon is forever. Did, yeah, uh, level five is going through a lot of weird uh, changes. I think something something tells me that their relationship with Nintendo got a little sour, or something happened that we don't know about because they just seem to be shifting everything to mobile. And I can't think of another 3DS uh, level five game that's coming out. I, I I'm pretty sure that um that upcoming like RPG by the Secret of Mana guy is not level five. Um, I can't think of anything coming out for a Nintendo platform, but I feel like they're moving all of their Nintendo, their stuff that was known for Nintendo, onto mobile. Like there's a new latent game without. Uh, Layton, the new latent um, game's on 3DS as well. What's that? The new latent game is on 3DS as well. Isn't oh, there's there a new also game? a new. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> there's also another Nino Kuni coming out on what PS4? Yeah, uh, yeah, I think so. But oh, uh, yeah, the new <laughs> the new latent is definitely uh, uh, 3DS as well as a mobile. Okay, so I totally missed that, and I apologize. But um, I don't know. I feel like they have uh, they've been off their game recently. As much as I kind of have a distaste for their RPGs, and um, I don't know. Like I have a feeling Yokai Watch could have gotten better in Japan. I don't know if three is the game that I want Yokai Watch to be. That came out in Japan in July, and apparently the spinoff Yokai Watch Busters is pretty fun. But um, 
for me, like it just too much work for a RPG that's too simple to be rewarding. I think. I mean, if it was, if it had that simplicity and it was also easier to catch these monsters, it would be a much better experience. But I feel like I'm fighting it, and I'm not getting a lot in return. Uh, for as much as I like just how charming the world is and how great the characters are and things like that. Right. I think one of the problems with <clears throat> Yokai Watch or in level five in general is that their games are generally very attractive. Um, They're flashy in their own way. Uh, But I I feel like the games are just one cog in their transmedia machine. Uh, It's kind of designed to market stuff like the TV show and the the toys and all that stuff um, versus everything kind of exists, everything existing in the service of the games, I suppose. Like... It feels like the games are a cog of this rather than everything kind of springing naturally out of the game. Uh, They're designing these games with a giant marketing plan in mind, (laughs) essentially. Uh, No, I agree. Uh, I mean... The on the surface they look like very very polished games and, and on a on a superficial level they are but that um that refinement I expect from a good RPG from like a Nintendo property uh just isn't there like a big example I can point to is the fact that in the battle system the battles are all are, are all automatic uh, essentially you interact with it in some slight ways and you're just waiting to activate your yokai super moves and to activate these super moves you need to play a little mini game on the uh, on the on the touch screen and um, in the first in the first one there were maybe like three of these mini games now there are five but they're just oh, kind boy. of the same across the board it doesn't matter what yokai you're playing sometimes you'll be tracing um, a pattern sometimes you'll be poking like little bubbles sometimes you'll be like scratching the screen and it just never changes and I feel like there should be more character to the moves you're doing that reflect like who the yokai is you're using at that moment and it's kind of like in fantasy life how if any of you guys played that um Mm -hmm. the mini games for all the jobs were the same across the board like no matter what you were doing from cooking to uh, chopping down wood like every mini game you played was the same for every job which felt like any other developer would take a little more time with this but they just they built a system and they moved on without refining it yeah i know what you mean uh i really love fantasy life but at the same time it's something about it felt like it could have been more well they're making a sequel aren't they yeah, so uh, hopefully... For uh, mobile, right? <laughs> no, they're actually... I think the the mobile uh, game is just basically the first game transferred over. I see. But uh, who knows? I, but you're right. Uh, level 5 seems a bit scattershot these days. Like, what are they up to? We don't know. I just want to see a sequel to uh, Leighton Mystery Room. I mean, I'm not surprised at all oh, that's that a, they're that's moving a over to mobile. Too. Yeah, that was a great game. Uh, the the game uh, Leighton Brother as a Mystery Room was about... Uh, Professor Layton's crazy ass son. It was just a lot of fun, but we're not really get a really good soundtrack, like a jazz soundtrack by Yuzo Koshiro. Only Level Five would do that for a mobile game. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's a very classy sort of mobile game. I'm not surprised at all that they're moving over to mobile. Um, if you go to Japan, like mobile owns everything, and they are Japanese company first, mm-hmm. and they have to see that dedicated handhelds have become a very niche proposition. And they are nothing if not a mass market publisher these days. So it's it, it was inevitable. So yeah, expect a lot of mobile games from uh, Level Five going forward. Um, but Bob, we just spent the past like several minutes totally trashing Yokai Watch Two. Uh, <laughs> no, I gave it a two point five <laughs> out of five. It's 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 Ooh. it's like literally as middle of the road as you can get and and I've been I've been a fan of the 2.5 score because a lot of games just sort of do nothing for me but they're also not bad so it's just like this is the flattest line on my quality graph I could possibly come up with 
right? It's a 50, isn't it, on Metacritic? But whatever. Yeah, they do. I mean, a 50 means something different in the grand scheme of things. But we have our, you know, code that we stand by. And, you know, it's very complicated. That's a whole different conversation, I think. Is there anything that you particularly liked about Yokai Watch 2? Yeah, I mean, like I said, I I do like uh, the presentation is very good. The menus are very fun and clean and nice to look at, like sort of like in a persona way, not as stylish as that. Um, ultimately, the the characters, the monsters themselves, the yokai, are really fun. Uh, it's always fun to see which ones you'll encounter. They like again, they they are they are ugly in a cute way, in a way that only Japanese character designers can do. Like, sort of, if you ask them to make Garbage Pail Kids, they would come up with the yokai, because yokai <laughs> have, like, they're, they're, they're sweaty, they have snot coming out of their nose, they fart. I mean, it's like, it's supposed to be, like, a fun, gross game, and I remember, I grew up in the 90s where, like, uh, so, you know, they, they sold squirt guns that, that shot slime, and Ren and Stimpy was on TV, and, like, oh, everything yeah. was like about gross-out humor, so it kind of brings me back to that era of, like, kids' entertainment, and, I, and you know, kids love gross-out stuff, so I like that it really uh, embraces that. All right. Before I let you go, Bob, um, really quickly, as we already mentioned, you spent the entire weekend uh, in the world of VR, and I'm, I'm just right. curious, now that you've apparently been converted into a believer as we are told in your our review um do you think that vr is viable for rpgs in its current state i really don't think so um at least with psvr i found that um it's kind of hard to read text with uh, (laughs) vr so like everything you encounter in in the vr games like in batman um i feel like it's a large print world like everyone in the world is is like uh seeing impaired so everything is like printed very large and i feel like any kind of extended experience that involves reading and probably that wouldn't if you're playing a vr rpg but i feel like anything with like numbers or a lot of reading would be a bad time and um frankly where vr is now uh the kind of extended experience you want to have with an rpg it really can't sustain like uh, every VR experience I've played, even if it was a longer one, would chop itself up into distinct like five to ten minute chunks because it realizes like you need uh, a break from this. Uh, it, it is it is very fatiguing and not just in terms of like motion sickness and nausea and stuff like that, which really didn't affect me. I think just that kind of stimulation, um, our monkey brains can only handle so much of that before mm. it's time to like take a breath of fresh air, you know, walk around and um Again, I think the equipment needs to be much more lightweight, uh, wireless, and um, a lot less uh, fatiguing for it to sustain an RPG experience like that. I think that it could work really well with a game like Skyrim. Uh, yeah, that'd be great. It would make the combat less awkward, and it I don't think it would appreciably affect the, um, the actual UI, because, I mean, I, I think that you could make the UI pretty VR-friendly. Um, and ultimately, when you're talking to different characters, it would almost be like a movie. I think the the biggest thing with that kind of game is probably having to deal with motion sickness because yes. designers oh, yeah. haven't really figured out how the whole, like, how to move, like, walk in the thing without making people vomit everywhere. <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, in the Batman game I play, which is not an RPG, but it does underline your point, um, Whenever you move somewhere as Batman, like the screen just like fades to black and then fades back up. It's really afraid to have you actually be moving in the world. A lot, a lot of these VR experiences are kind of standing still in an environment, which I think 
uh, this may sound odd, but I think like VR is going to be the new home uh, for like uh, the new version of adventure games, which that Batman game I played essentially is, and walking simulators. There are so many demos I played at home, so many games I played that are essentially like Disneyland-style dark rides where you just kind of sit down and have an experience and you're not really asked to uh, perform on any level. Just sort of like, you know, take it in, look at things, like uh, play with the world around you. Uh, we're at we're only at that level right now. For something like an RPG, I think um, we need the technology to be a little closer to the ideal. I'm not gonna lie, Bob. Uh, the thing that sold me on VR was you telling me that I could play Mega Man Two on it. <laughs> nice. Yes, yes. Um, in fact, like uh, the coolest thing about the well, not not the coolest thing, but one of the cooler things is. Um, you can play anything, any PS4 game on your VR helmet, and it just makes it look like you have a giant screen in front of you, and that's really cool. I mean, obviously, the resolution is not probably where you want it to be, but I didn't find it that distracting and just sort of fun to be that close to games you know. That close. Your eyes are getting sucked into the television. It's yeah. like getting a, a big hug from your favorite game. <laughs> I want to hug. I want to kiss Salt Snake right in his cheek. <laughs> he would appreciate that so much. All right, Bob, thanks for dropping by. We can find your review of the PlayStation VR over on the web, the main site, usgamer.net. And if we want to hear like lots and lots of in-depth discussion, go check out our flagship podcast from us to you, which will already be up. Yes, and I'm sure, I'm sure I'll have lots of VR game reviews uh, next week. I've got so many games to play and so many games I have played and still need to write about. All right, Bob, thanks a lot. Thank yep, you. Thank you. And we're finished here. Um, Acts of the Blood God is a U.S. gamer podcast. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, uh, iHeartRadio, wherever podcasts are sold. Uh, check out usgamer.net for all of our RPG coverage and game coverage and everything. I've been writing a lot about sports games lately, but I promise I'll get back on the RPG beat. Uh, I, As you may know, I previewed Persona 5 last week. Mm-hmm. I played the import version. I also streamed it. And you can check out a video of that that I posted over on Facebook. Go check that out uh, whenever you have an opportunity. Um, uh, let's see. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at the underscore catbot, Bob at Bob Servo, Nadia at Nadia Oxford. And uh, yeah, also check out Nadia's site, Tiny Girl, Tiny Games. Nadia, do you have anything interesting that you've written about lately or have you just been too busy? Uh, actually, uh, I haven't written anything particularly interesting lately, but I was recently on the Square Roots podcast, uh, where I talked about Secret of Mana for a while, and Ooh. that was a lot of fun. So uh, please do check that out. It's a great podcast run by great people who all have very shiny dispositions and teeth. <laughs> Square Roots podcast. So it's about Square Square Enix, then? Yeah, it's uh, Square Enix. What they all do is they basically they play a game at a Square game, of course, and then they all kind of converge and talk about it. Uh, since they still had a lot of questions about Secret Amana's story, they recruited me to try, to try to answer some of them. Hey, if anybody's going to talk about Secret of Mana, then it's going to be you. So yeah, uh, it sounds like an interesting podcast. You should definitely go listen to it. Uh, speaking of um, things that you should do, you should send us underrated RPG pitches. Mm-hmm. Um 
the RPG underrated RPG pitches have dried up a little bit. I, I want to hear about the RPGs that you love. Yes, please. That send other us. people do not. Uh, and I want to read them on the podcast. And I want to talk about them. Yeah, so we can talk about them. Uh, I, I have a few more in my pocket that I will read at some point. But yeah, come on, advocate. Tell me about the RPGs that you love and why we should love them. Send me a, Drop me a line at cat.bailey at usgamer.net or send me a DM over on the site. All right, so that's it for us. Um, next week we'll be back and we'll be talking about Dragon Quest Builders and guess what? Pokemon! It's just Ooh, around the corner. Yes. Though in a way we already talked about Pokemon a whole bunch in this episode because we were all like, oh, Yokai Watch, totally not as good as Pokemon, right? <laughs> LOL. There's always something to talk about with Pokemon. There is, in fact, always something to talk about with Pokemon. The demo's coming right up. Mm-hmm. Apparently you're going to get Ash's Greninja from the anime. That is crazy, but yes. Yeah. Yeah, well, I don't really want Ash's Greninja. It's a loser. We don't want your stupid Greninja. Your stupid Lost Greninja, in the Ash. tournament, shaking my head. <laughs> As always, God, Ash, why are you such a loser? <laughs> also, can I can I have your Fountain of Youth or whatever? Cause yes, I, I, I really use that. I want to be 10 years old forever like you. <laughs> All right, Aww. Nadia, thanks for being on the show. And uh, from me, myself, Nadia, and Bob, thanks for listening. We'll see you again real soon. Until next time. Happy adventuring. <laughs>